Thank you, and it's a wonderful privilege to be with you. Um, I'm George Markey, like Troy said, and uh, what's really interesting is I've never really met Troy face to face, and he's trusting me to with you know with this, and then, it'll be fine. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> Uh, but also, Jeremy, uh, maybe you know Jeremy, he's the missions coordinator. Uh, but we had never really met until yesterday. He met me at the airport. Um, actually, we, we, Troy and I just traded places. I was in Philly, um, came here. I was there at the, for the missions conference there, and I'm going back. I'll see him um, uh, next week at the pastor's conference there, and then I'll head back to Hungary. So again, once again, it's a privilege to be here. And um, so we're going to be talking about what we're saved for. But before that, I want to give a little bit of background. Um, this is my family. Um, we have six boys. All boys, yes, all boys. Uh, even the dog's a boy. So these are pretty exciting in our house. <laughs> Oldest is 16, youngest is four. Um, and this is our home uh, in Kiev. Um, we had to flee our home last year in February because of the invasion. Um, it's a, it, we didn't believe it would happen. You know, many people were telling us, the, our embassy was writing and saying, you have to leave, you, you should leave. Um, my wife's parents, Sharon, who lives in California, were also begging us to leave. And we were like, it's not going to happen. This is our home. Why would we leave our home? Where are we going to go? So we were kind of stubborn. Thankfully, I, had a, I have a good friend who's a chaplain um, in the East, uh, with, uh, kind of missionary from our, our Calvary Chapel in Kiev. And she told me, um, George, if I were you, I would send your wife and children west. So I sent them to the western part of Ukraine, didn't leave the country, just thought, well, we'll go west, where I have two brothers that live, and they're serving in a city called Ternopil, not Chernobyl, Ternopil. Um, for those who know that city, the older generation probably. Um, but they, we planted a church there many years ago, and they, so they were there and thought, okay, just go spend some time with cousins. I'll go meet them, you know, I'll go be with them for a bit, and then we'll come back, and everything will be fine. Well, that didn't happen. Needless to say, um, on the morning, February 24th, we, I, was, I was woken to explosions around Kiev, and um, my wife also you know, got the news early in the morning and was terrified. She just got on her face before the Lord and was just um, coming to terms with the fact that she might never see me again. Um, actually got a message from her. She said, George, if I never see you again, you were the most wonderful, you were the, um, um, a better husband than I could ever imagined. Uh, I love you. And I, I wrote back and I said, um, I love you too, but we'll see each other. You know, I was more optimistic. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we did. So I, I, the first day I couldn't get out because um, our car had been totaled a few weeks before that. I had some arrangements with a friend to, to ride, uh, get a ride out. Um, and uh, so I called her that morning because I, um, and she said, yeah, I'm coming. So we got in the car. The, the GPS was showing 45 minutes to get out of the city. It took us three hours, uh, maybe more. Be, you know, just the, the time kept going up because people were just, just you know, piling in the streets. There were, people were fleeing the city with their belongings, with their young ones. Um, and by the time we got outside the city, it was just a parking lot. Um, and we decided that we should just go back home, spend the night, be safer that way, we wouldn't be sitting ducks on the highway because we had no idea what to expect. So we spent the night, and I'm, I'm going to give more of the story tonight. So this is kind of a way to get you guys to come tonight. <laughs> no. um, a teaser. Uh, but long story short, um, I was able to leave. Um, on the neck, on, two days later, I, was, I joined my wife in Hungary. Um, we ended up in Budapest. We had a lot of friends there. My mom used to live there. But you know, we found ourselves there. And 
Um, and we, of course, that, that, uh, right now there are about 8 million people fled the country, Ukrainians. So one in every four Ukrainians have left their homes since the war. One in every two children have had to flee. Now, many have returned, and some to dangerous situations. This, you might think, was earlier. Actually, this is a few days ago. This is our beloved city of Kiev. Um, just the, the day I flew to Philly, because some people ask, like, oh, is that war still going on? I said, oh, yeah, it's going on. That was just a few days ago. Um, things have been quiet in Kiev for a long time, and we actually went back for the first time since the war a month ago, because three of my oldest children have best friends there. who had, some, had some had left and gone back, and so, you know, they're always, they just, they want to go back. We do too. Um, and we were there, had a wonderful time. Um, and my children were kind of disappointed. There were no air raid sirens. Not because they wanted some excitement, but because they, their best friends live there and they want to be part of their lives. They want to be part of that too. I don't know, maybe you can understand that, but they, and, but then the day we left, there was an air raid siren. And then things escalated. And May 18th, a few days ago, um, they had 30 rockets launched at Kiev, at the capital city. Thankfully, air defense systems took everything down, including the Kinjals, they're the, um, Putin's latest weapon, um, hypersonic missiles that he's, he, he boasted cannot be shot down, but thankfully they were shot down. But this is a constant way of life for them. You know, air raid sirens, you know, they go to school, okay, air raid siren, everybody goes to the metro, continues on with the lesson, continues on with life as normal, as best as they can. Um, I just wanted to give you a picture. I'm not trying to, you know, uh, but, but there's that side, right? Things are, it's, it's really bad, but there's also hope. Um, we're in Hungary where there's a lot of refugees and, and uh, many, there's many more in these other countries as well. And God has given us the opportunity to, to um, uh, travel around Hungary, meeting with these Ukrainians that we become friends with, kind of establish these communities. Um, and recently we went with a team from South Pittsburgh and uh, you can see the smile on this lady's face. She's a refugee, but we did, what we did was we take the kids and we played with them, you know? Oh, and to back, sorry, to back up for a second. 90% of the refugees in Europe are women and children. Where are the men? Well, they can't leave because they're, no, no, men cannot leave who are of draftable age. So if you could imagine you're separated from, you know, families are separated um, in, until this war ends. Um, and so, but they, but it's not safe, the economy is in shambles, so these women not only leave for, leave for safety, but they also go to make money <laughs> to send back to the husbands. So there's an elder lady, she is there, and um, we were playing with the kids, and then one, one um, and they were doing a jewelry class, master class, so they got to make jewelry, and, and it's very therapeutic to do those kind of things, do something with your hands, make beauty. And you can see the smile on her face. So that's just, this is, this is like we live for this. This is like just somebody who's going through what they're going through and be able to bring a smile to their face. Um, community, it's another city in Hungary where these ladies all work at the factory. Um, since I took this picture, many have been laid off. They've been going through some hard time. The, the factory made some cuts. So they had to move to another city, find work, or go back to Ukraine. You have to weigh your, what's going to be better. But the, we got around and this is, uh, we, we these ladies wanted more than just aid. They actually told us, don't bring us aid. We just want to sit and talk with you guys. We need fellowship. We, we want to study the Bible with you. So we did a Bible study here, and one of, another refugee taught that had been part of our Bible study. This is what we live for, too, just to see 
communities formed and to see people leaning into Jesus and coming to know his, his hope. So just a snapshot of what's going on, but I want to share with you something I hope that will be encouraging to you. This, this might feel distant and what can I do? And Well, um, I believe that we are all called. We are all missionaries. I'm a missionary in Hungary, but you're a missionary here. What does a missionary mean, by the way? Well, in Latin, it means sent one. So when Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Who does that include? All of you. You're all sent. Does that mean you have to go somewhere, another city? No, not necessarily. Maybe. But you're sent to your spheres of influence, to where you are. And I want to um, encourage you, and hopefully this will be an encouraging morning, um, to really connect with your calling. We all have a calling. And um, anyway, let's, 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 we'll, we'll start it and we'll just uh, have some... So, just some questions to start with. Is Christianity merely about taking care of our afterlife? You know, so we, we want to say the prayer. So we don't go to hell, we go to heaven. I mean, that's, that's okay, that's good. That's part of the truth, a small part. I, think we're, I hope we're going to see it's much more than that. What is the purpose of our life right now? What about the other 166 hours, right? I think if I counted right, um, there's 168 hours in a week. So there's two hours you spend here, but what about the other part of your life? Does that matter? Does God care about my job? Am I taking care of my kids? My school? You know, is that part of what God has me to do? Do I have to, do I have to go to Africa? I'm just using Africa as a... You know, as an example, right? To serve God. And I, I've been to Africa, by the way. I think it's phenomenal that, that people... My, 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 my mom grew up in Africa, by the way. Um, do you have to do that? Do something extreme to serve God? Hopefully you'll find that no. It might be. The answer is found in the story, the greatest story of all. The story of the Bible. And have you thought of the Bible as a story that God has written? Okay, here's a little comic to kind of get things rolling. Can you see that right? Do you know the far side? Maybe it might be dating me. I don't know. You guys, young people, know what the far side is? So, right. It's pretty good stuff. Welcome to heaven. Here's your harp. Welcome to hell. Here's your accordion. So, sorry. Sorry about those um, the accordion players out there. No, I mean, so it's, you know, the, 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 that kind of, uh, people have that idea of heaven, like, oh, we're on the clouds, just floating around, and it sounds kind of boring, but okay. You know, or in hell is just this place where people play accordion. So, um, it's much more than that, right? <laughs> I mean, it's not that, actually. It's not that. <laughs> it's about the true story of God, okay? And we're going to be looking at this. But have you, and maybe you haven't seen this before, but you could look at the Bible. Um, who likes stories? Uh, probably nobody doesn't like stories. Uh, and a, story, a good story has, you know, a kind of a setting, a, what do you call that, tension, right, a problem. Then you have the resolution. I think I'm getting this right. My wife's a writer. Um, and resolution. The last part is, um, gosh, I can't think of it. I think it's solution, the resolution. But you get the point. So it's conclusion. Thank you. Conclusion. Thank you. So the, the Bible is the best story, really. And I think the reason all those kind of stories that are good stories resonate with us is because we were created for this story. This is the master story. And we're going to look at that right now. So what were we, were we created for? I think we're going to start with that. We're going to be talked about what are we, what are we saved for? Let's look back 
find out, first of all, why did God create us? What, what's, what was his purpose? And we have to go to Genesis. And, um, you know, I've heard some say, unfortunately, Christians say, well, we don't really need that Old Testament. It's so hard to understand. All those laws, let's just, just the New Testament. Well, you're cutting off the story. If we don't have the Old Testament, we don't know what did God, how did God create this world? What are we for? What went wrong? Right? If we just went to Jesus, it's like, okay, he's a solution for what? What is God moving us back towards? So what were we created for? Let's really, we're going to run through this um, and look at Genesis. God said, let us make man in our own image, our own likeness, our own likeness. Our image, right? God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, make us in our image. He will have dominion over, our crea- over creation, right? Animals, plants. God created him in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male, female, he created them. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over, the, over all of creation, right? So God created us in his image to rule, co-rule with him. Take this good world and manage it well. Um, Unleash its potential. Now, what does that mean to be created in his image? That's an interesting phrase. Um, There's a lot of things there, but I just want to focus on a couple things. One is um, we were created to reflect him. Um, We're going to see how, how good God is, right? He's created this wonderful world, and he gives it to humans. And... He's asking them now, and I'm making you to reflect me, to show my goodness to the rest of creation, to each other. And the second thing I would say is, um, well, what uh, what does that mean, right, to be in his image? Well, I have six boys, and they bear my image and my wife's image. Also, they're they're created in our image. So they're my children, right? We're created in God's image, meaning we're his children. He looks at us and sees his image in us, and he brings them joy. those Those are my kids. So God created us to be his children. And um, have you ever thought about that? Like, well, here's one more, one more point. Um, who, uh, who's related to Adam and Eve? All of us, right? Is anybody not related? No, right? We're all related. So what does that make us? Brothers and sisters, relatives, right? So I'm your brother. You're my sister, brother, right? We're family. We're creating God's image. We're family. That makes everybody in the earth, now this might sound a little bit harsh, I mean, sometimes Christians balk at this, but we're all family. I'm not saying we're all saved, you know, we're not all, um, uh, you know, going, you know, being, have been, received forgiveness in our, with Jesus. But it does mean that we're all family. There are brothers and sisters who are estranged. They don't know their father yet. And my goal is to, our goal is to bring him back to the father, right? Think about the prodigal son. When he left his father, did he, did he stop being a son? No. But he left his father, right? His father was waiting for him to come back. And that's well, God's heart for every person. Okay, so we're family. We're going to talk about that a little bit too. We ref- do we reflect God? Um, okay, why is that? Oh, yeah. Didn't, no, let's, let's go on. Don't have a lot of time. So then God formed the man out of the dust, breathed the breath of life. He planted a garden. And he put man in that garden, and out of the ground he made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight. Remember that? Pleasant to the sight, good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Right? So 
He puts him in to take care of this garden, this beautiful garden. Um, and there's a, but there's also these other two trees. Now, in this translation, it doesn't say he put them there. And I, I kind of tend to think God didn't necessarily put them there. They were there. I don't know. You know, you can think about that one. But, but we do know this. He said, um, and we're going to find the next part. He says, sorry. Um, so he puts them in there to work it and keep it. And he commanded the man saying, you can eat out of every tree of the garden. Every tree you can have. It's all for you. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, you shall surely die. So he's saying, don't touch that. Don't eat that tree. Sorry, don't touch. Don't eat from that tree. You will die. And some people see that as, oh, God is being so strict. He's being so mean. I see a loving father who's saying, just warning, don't. Please don't eat that. It's going to kill you. There's everything you can eat from any other tree. I've given you all this goodness. And it's kind of like I tell my children, you know, don't touch the stove, it's going to burn you. Or recently I was telling my, you know, we have um, one, of the big pro- one of the big challenges for, I think, for parents today is gadgets, right? Screens. So yeah, we limit them because we're so mean. We're Nazis, right? We, no. Um, because we love them. We don't get addicted to it. We want them to have a good life. Um, now, they don't get that often. I, saw, I remember I was talking to one son and saying, go ahead, got to get off the computer, da, da, da. He said, why are you so strict, Dad? You hate me, don't you? I said, no, I love you. That's why I'm doing this. And so, yeah, no. It, it, it'll take, I think later on he'll thank me, but, you know, it's but the same kind of thing. God is saying, don't do it, please. And what does it mean, the knowledge of good and evil? Well, that's, it, um, don't have time to break it all down, but what it actually is it's saying is, you know, it's the power to choose to determine what is good and evil, right? God is saying, leave that to me. Let me determine that for you. Um, you know, you, you, you can't handle it. And what, what do we have today, right? People deciding what is good and evil. Actually, one person was telling me this. Really, people don't do what they, uh, people have a justification for everything they do, right? What they do is good. I don't think anybody goes out and wakes up in the morning and say, I'm going to be evil. I'm going to do bad things. You know? No, they're, what they're doing, they think it's, that's what I should do, right? The problem is we, don't, we, we can't manage that. But God says, Let, leave it to me. If not, you're going to die. You're going to bring destruction. And that's exactly what will happen, right? So God's image, we're his children, created to reflect his beauty and goodness. We are, we are, sorry, we are family. Okay, what would change for you if you looked at that person in the grocery store, that person, the neighbor, um, those around you as, as their brother, their sister? How would, you, how would you treat them differently? And, you know, in, in Hungary, that's what we want to do. We want to treat those people as, as brothers and sisters. These aren't just refugees, some t- statistics. These are my brothers and sisters that are, you know, suffering, that need help. Um, and so what we're trying to do is we want to mobilize the church to be family to them. That's what they need the most. Like I said, this women and children without their husbands, what do they need most? Family. They don't have that. We can be that for them. And in your, here where you live, I'm sure, there's, there's brokenness everywhere. And we can be those brothers and sisters, those people, those family, treat people like family. Um, and we are co-rulers to bring about God's flourishing. Um, and we'll come to that too in a second. All of life is worship. So and what I mean by this is, think about what they were doing. God gave them a, a, a calling. What was that calling? Farming. Business, right? They were supposed to take those trees, make them flourish, um, 
And actually, it uses two words there. It says you were to keep it and guard it. I think it was. Those two words, right? Those two words in Hebrew are, the next time we come across them is in, where it talks about what the priest did in the temple. And only there. They were to keep and guard the temple. So, in essence, Adam and Eve are like, like priests. They're serving and worshiping God by doing that work. And I don't know what you're called to do. Um, but whatever your calling is, you, can, you worship God by that. By, what do I mean by that? You can reflect God by you, what you do, you do for the flourishing of others, for the blessing of others, to reflect his goodness. If you're a, an accountant, right, do it in a, uh, in a way that would uh, reflect God's goodness. You know, if you're a business person, you know, it's, uh, do that as, as unto God, not, you know, that primary focus of making money, but you want others to flourish. You want your family to flourish. So um, we have a girl in our, um, on our team in Kiev when we were planning a church. We were planning a church downtown uh, among secular people. And so we were really kind of just trying to figure out how do we be the church to them? Because they're not going to come to some kind of traditional church event because they're just kind of, they're kind of turned off by that. But what, what we can do is, is show what it means to be family and, and, and live out our calling in every area of life. So this one girl, she's, her husband's a director of InterVarsity and um, and so they had been doing kind of this, you know, ministry in a, in a good sense, but they were doing just more direct, you know, Bible studies with the students. And, but she had kind of gotten burnt out. And, and one of her passions was curly hair. She has curly hair. So she had this Instagram page and she was sharing all these tips with ladies and she loved it because there's not a lot out there for them, at least in, in Ukraine. And then she had this, this dream, you know, what I really want to do is start, have a salon for curly haired um, women. And, and, well, men too, sorry, yeah. Uh, and so... But she's, you know, she kind of grew up without parents. It was just a lot of, lot of fears. And so as a, as, a, as a team, as a community, we really encouraged her and said, you can do it. Let's, we'll help you out. We even, we took some money in, from the church and, from, and my wife and I, we gave it to her so she could take these classes you wanted to take. She took the classes. She graduated. She did an internship. Long story short, you know, through all these ups and downs, she starts her own salon in downtown Kiev, which is one of the most, more, most expensive places. First month, she breaks even. The second month, she makes a thousand bucks. And she's just... And she has people signed up three months out, you know. But what's happening is she's glowing because she's doing what she loves to do. And people are coming and they're just pouring out their heart. What do you do for two or three hours? You know, you talk, right? And she's this woman who just is really compassionate. And so God has just opened up all these doors and she's sharing with people. Some come to the Bible study because she, they get to know her and that we're, that we're doing in the neighborhood. So can you imagine that? What if all of us lived out that calling, thinking of God's kingdom? How could I promote flourishing through this? How can, I, how can I reveal God to others in what I do? Okay? Um, anyway, yeah, I'll just go on because we have to get on here. Um, so everything's great. Wonderful garden. Um, perfect relationships. Adam and Eve, perfect unity. No fighting. Can you imagine that? Husband and wife. No fighting at all. Just perfect. They're naked and they weren't ashamed, meaning it's not about clothes, I think. It's more about they're, 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 they could be open with each other. They didn't have to hide anything. They would know, and they knew that nobody would hurt them. Wouldn't that be amazing? You could be open with the person, any person you meet, and that person would be accepting of you. It, it wouldn't use it against you. Okay, what, what goes wrong? Well, the serpent. Okay, we find out, who's the serpent? Doesn't tell us. But we find out later, this is... Satan, Lucifer, this um, amazing being who rebelled against God because he wanted to be like God. Or he wanted, I'm not like God, he wanted to be above God. He wanted to be in control. Of course, God cast him out, 
He's a sworn enemy of God. Now he's against God, does whatever he can. So he sees, ah, humans, these are God's creation. They're like him. So what does he do? He wants to destroy them. He wants to get him, kind of get them on his side to turn them against God, against their father. So you can, you can see we're part of this cosmic struggle. It's bigger than you think. It's not just, okay, we want to get people to pray the prayer to go to heaven. It's bigger than that, much bigger. There's this cosmic, it's kind of like Star Wars, you know, this big thing that's going on that we don't realize, but it's, it's going on. And we're part of it. God even creates humans right in the middle of this war to join him in the battle against Satan, against evil. And so now this enemy's here, trying to win the humans to his side. And he says, um, did, did God actually say you should not eat of any garden, tree in the garden? Yeah, he's trying to kind of sow some doubt. So Eve says, uh, no, no, God, God told us we could eat of the trees in the garden, but, you, but just not this one. And not even to touch it. She kind of added that part. Um, lest you die. You see, she's kind of already kind of getting, seeing the negative part of it. We can't, we can't eat it or touch it. And the serpent says, oh, that's not true. You, you won't die. Because God knows the day you eat it, you're gonna, your eyes will be open. You won't be like God. Wait a second, I heard that before. Be like God. <coughs> Somebody's like God. Who's like God? Adam and Eve are like God, right? They're created in his image. So there's nothing new here. And when the women saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes, we saw that too, remember? He made every tree to be good for food, delight to the eyes. So, it's, so I think it was a tree like any other tree. And the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Although God was the source of wisdom. So Satan's a good, well, good, I would say, a twisted marketing, uh, what do you call it, marketologist? Or, you know, he's offering her what she already has. She's trying to, he's trying to sell her what she already has. And she took the fruit, ate it, gave it to her husband. And also notice that this strategy was to separate her from that community that God had created. Just going to her, that's all. And, and I said this in the early service. Um, I don't think it was about gullible, not gullible, because I, I know a lot of gullible guys and a lot of super sharp girls. Like, my wife is one sharp girl. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm more gullible than she is, honestly. But um, I think it was, Satan was trying to, trying to divide that unity of community. Separate it. What Eve should have done was, um, hey, husband, what, what do you think? I mean, he's offering this, or, or God, look, what's going on? What, what, what should we do? But then she makes the choice without talking to anybody else. And the eyes were opened. They knew that they were naked. They hid from God. So there's shame, there's fear. And because God comes walking in the garden. He was, he, they, they had these walks with God every day. And he comes to do that again and they hide. But God says, so where are you? <laughs> I think he knew, but where, where are you? And well, we hid because we're afraid. I'm naked, we're naked. And God says, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree by any chance that I commanded you not to eat? God's asking questions. He's, he's wanting that confession. He's wanting that restoration. Now, of course, man confesses, right? Maybe? No. Mm, darn. The man said, um, the woman that you gave me, she gave me the fruit, and then I ate it. And by the way, you gave me that woman, so, hmm. 
It's actually your fault, God. Oh, come on. The woman said, the serpent deceived me. Satan made me do it. So let's look at this. God causes enemy, causes humans to doubt God's goodness. That's what it's about, right? God doesn't love you. He doesn't want you to be happy. Just like my son said, you hate me, Dad. What's the problem here? It's that they don't know God's goodness, or they're doubting God's goodness. And that's what it's all about. Whenever we sin, I would, I would say it's because we don't really think God's good. We have to take matters in our own hands. So humans reject God's rule, say, we, got, we can do it better, and we have done much better, right? Oh, yeah. The result is broken relationship with God, each other, and creation. So community is broken. If someone were to ask you what was wrong with the world, what would you tell them? Everybody knows the world's wrong. There's something wrong with the world. We all have different ideas what, what, it, what to, it takes to fix it. But we, we have that answer, right? And we're getting, we're getting the answer right now. Redemption, right? If you go to Genesis 3.15, I'll put enmity between you and the women, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and she, he, you shall bruise his head, heel. So we're getting into the redemptive part of the story, right? And this is in Genesis. God already gives the answer. He already gives, gives away part of the ending. So there's going to be an enemy. There's going to be a battle between Satan and his demons, his, his forces, and humans. And that's going on right now. If you see all the destruction that happens um, here in the States, the shootings, all the, in, in Ukraine, the war, it's all um, you know, a, a desire for Satan to destroy us, and, and we're, we go along with it. But he says there's going to be a seed. There's going to be offspring of the woman. She's going to, he's going to come, and he's going to bruise Satan's head, and Satan will bruise his heel. That's interesting, right? So this person that's going to come and, and, and save things, going to make things right, he's going to crush the head of the serpent, but the serpent will, will bite his heel. What happens when a poisonous snake bites you? Right? You die. So this, is, this person, whoever it is, it's going to destroy evil, but in the process, he will be killed. Sound familiar? Right? Well, if you move forward in the story, the story develops. Time and, over, time, and time again, we see man's heart is just broken, broken. You know, God raised up a, a, a family that then um, begins the nation of Israel. To, they were to also to represent him to the world. They fail, but God says, I'm going to raise up a seed through them. So this... this uh, story all throughout scripture. Then we come to the New Testament. And Jesus, the seed of Abraham, you know, the, the seed of woman, he comes and what happens? He, he defeats Satan through his death, through his dying on the cross. He takes upon himself all the consequences of our sin, all the evils unleashed on him, all the result of all of our bad choices, of our desire to rule our own lives, fell on him, not on us. And because of that, we now reap the benefits. Now we can have restoration with God. We can have life again. Like it says here, for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your doing. Okay, man messed it up, but Jesus fixed it. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. So we can't do anything to earn God's favor because he's already done everything to restore that favor in Jesus. But notice here, we're going to make this switch right here or make this kind of turn Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, it's not about just, we don't stop with salvation without with being restored to God. Now he has good works for us. And what is that? He's returning us to our purpose to be 
God's image bearers, you know, as we reflect Jesus. It says in the Bible, God is making us like Jesus. He's restoring us to the image of God to reflect those uh, two people around us, who he is like. We're not perfect, but God is working in us to do that. And we do it in every area of life, not just here on Sundays. This is a very small part of it. Um, Okay, let's look what happens now. How does it look like? So God redeems man and his people follow him. Um, Ephesians 1.10. Yeah, the plan is to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Have you thought about what that means? What was it like in the garden? Heaven and earth together. God's realm, hands realm together. That's what God wants to do. He wants to bring heaven and earth together once again. It'll happen one day, but right now, heaven is breaking through, through us, through his new creation, through the new community, restored community. So if you look, let's just look, I want to just give you a snapshot as day of Pentecost, we give the birth of the church. And we think of often the church, what do you think of? This, this, this is not the church. I mean, it's one, one, one of the things we do as the church, but a small part, right? What is the church? Well, I want you to ask that question as we read this. What makes the church the church? We asked that question when we started the church in downtown Kiev where people were kind of anti-religious, secular. And we were trying to think, okay, what, what is the, I guess, a minimum requirement? What is the essence of the church and what would it look like here, right? Because it might look different. This is one form, but not all churches are like this and not all churches need to be. Especially where we are in Ukraine, you got war going on, you got refugees all over the place, you got soldiers that are, you know, need ministering to. Um, I don't know, you have just different things. And um, how do you be the church to them? What does it look like? Actually, we ask that question a lot. Like, what does a church during wartime look like? What, what, how would you, could you go and be with, just think about soldiers serving on the front line. How could you go and be the church to them? Are you going to say, okay, come to this little building we have? Or are you going to go to them and share your life with them and go over the scriptures and show what it means by being generous, being, you know, laying your life down, right? Isn't that being the church? So let's look at this just really quick. This is one picture of the church. I think it's a wonderful picture. But think of the things that we see here, and we don't have time to go through it in all of it, but the first thing is the apostles' teaching. Now, also, just by the way, that doesn't mean just what I'm doing right now. I think then it was probably more around the dinner table because they, they were breaking bread. So breaking bread, having a meal, Talking about what, oh, Peter said this, Paul said that. How, wow, that's really cool. Let's talk about it. And it was more discussion, I think. Um, not that this is, there's no place for, for more of a sermon, but I think the, the norm then was more around the table. Can you imagine that? What if we all did that <laughs> with our families, with our friends? That would be the way we would, you know, share scripture with each other. Maybe you're part of our home group. That's wonderful. But it can be anywhere. It can be on the playground. So prayer, right? They were praying together. That happens anywhere. They were seeing wonders and signs. God was at work. God was working. They were calling, God, we need you, please. And we were, they were seeing the supernatural, which I believe is for today too. We're seeing that now. You know, not, not necessarily you know, something, I don't know. Um, for me, a miracle is when we see a changed life. You know? God can heal. That's also true, very true. But God's presence, as, we, as God's presence enters these different areas of our lives and different places we are, that's, that's the signs. Um, what else? They were selling. <laughs> okay, just think, just think of the normal things we think of church, like worship team, children's ministry, building. That's not here at all, right? Those are forms. Not, not that that's any that's bad. It's just a form. But what do we have here? Prayer, the word, eating. By the way, it speaks of food, and I like this. 
the most out of anything else. Three times in this passage, three times. So my conclusion is food is an essential part of being the church. And I'm serious because food is where we're, we're, we're celebrating God's provision. We're sharing with each other. Just something happens at the table, right? You know, if somebody comes over and you don't have food, you know, maybe there's not much conversation, but put out the food, what happens? Ah, oh, I start talking. Put out the coffee. Ah, oh, everybody's, yeah. Um, what else? Selling possessions, distributing the precedes to all as they need. A little uncomfortable there, right? I have my own stuff. You got your stuff. But they were sharing. No, we're, we're brothers and sisters. Let's live like it. If my sister doesn't have something that she needs, or that woman doesn't have something she needs, that's my sister. That means I, have to, I'm, I need to do something. I get to do something for her. If my mom doesn't have a place to stay, what am I going to do? Okay? And, um, uh, yeah, and this is they were happening daily. They were, they were sharing food. They were spending time together. It was relationship. That's what it's about, right? Relationship. So what is the church? I would just say, in a, um, if I were in a smaller group, I would ask you questions and see what you guys would see, say, but you, you're too many, so I'm going to just get to, get to listen to me. So it's, in other words, the, the church is a community. It's a family. It's that restored community that God had designed us to be, right? Where we were all using our gifts, talents, to bless each other, to give glory to God. And what does that mean, to give glory to God? to show how great he is, how amazing he is, how wonderful, how generous. God has given us so much, we get to reflect that back. What does that look like for you? Okay, we got it. Um, so through us, God is restoring us, and through the church, he's restoring the world to its original design. I'm not saying here that we're gonna see that without Jesus coming back, no. The world is broken, and it's gonna be broken. But I believe there's hope, I believe we can Show little glimpses of heaven right now to people. Like what we're trying to do with the refugees. We want to treat them as family because we want them to see that they are part of God. They, God wants them in his family. We want people to want the kingdom of God. You know, as, people, Paul, as Jesus prayed, Lord, your kingdom come. What does that mean? Is that just words? No. Your kingdom come. We want to see the way your kingdom is right here. We want to see it right now. Okay, another, another thing I want to, okay, the kingdom is already here, Jesus said, right? But it's also coming. What part does the church play in Jesus' renewal of all things? You know, how would, how would it look like your communities, your neighborhoods look like? If you were, what would, what would it look like, like for the kingdom of heaven to come to your neighborhood and to your relationships? And we get to be part of that. Isn't that big? It's big. How would, you how would your life change if you treated everyone as family? That person across the street, it's not just somebody, you know, some person. It's a, it's a brother, it's a sister. Okay, what do we say for new creation? So, I mean, people do say that, like, oh, I'm going to go to heaven. And I just, you know, not exactly right. Okay, I'm sorry. But the Bible doesn't ever say that. It's only part of the story. Then I saw a new heaven, a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away the sea was no more. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Oh, gosh. I don't want that. Yeah, we, we see a lot of crying, pain. We experience that. 
And all of you, I don't want to say you guys, you, you too, right? There's pain, there's crying, there's heartache, there's relationship pain between parents, children, brothers, sisters, friends, right? There's a brokenness. Well, there's going to be a day when that's all in the past. For the former things have passed away. Oh, I can't wait for that. But this, should insp- this inspires me because I'm thinking, um, you ever daydream about what it's going to be like on new earth, right? And again, it's not just going to be, I'm going to get a harp, sit on the clouds and play. And No, it's going to be a new earth, a new heaven. New- heaven will come down, meaning God's going to be here again. We're going to be with him. It's going to be reality. Um, and then and all of community will be re- restored. There's nobody going to be blame shifting. We're going to be, we can be, we'll be completely vulnerable with each other and it'll be wonderful. I'll be able to see, probably see some of you. I mean, all of you, hope, I hope all of you, right? And I'll say, hey, I saw you at the, at the, back in Lynchburg. We didn't have time to sit down, but now we got all the time in the world. <laughs> you want a coffee? Oh, sure, yeah. So I want to hear your story, brother. I want to hear your story, sister. And then I'd ask, oh, so what are, you, what are your projects? What are you doing for Jesus right now? Oh, I'm doing this and that. Oh, wow, man, I'm doing this. Oh, cool, you know. I, that's what I imagine. I imagine it's going to be just, you know, it's, it'll be a continuation of, actually, let's get down to the, uh, so God, humanity, and creation will once again be in harmony. We will continue where we left off, partnering with God and each other to promote flourishing, Bring, showing how great God is, glorifying him. We will not go to heaven, but rather live on a renewed earth with, God, with heaven, God's real down, coming down to us. Make sense? Sounds fun? Sounds great? Yes. Yes. So that inspires me. I want to see that right now. I mean, I'm not going to see it in its fullness, but I can show that and I can tell people, okay, this is what it's like. And that's what our goal was when we, uh, and now, when we were starting that church in Kiev, we had a team of Ukrainians. Okay, I'm going to end here. And we all moved to this one neighborhood because we wanted to really just bless that neighborhood. We wanted to do all we could. We were joining one, it was actually not a Christian organization, but we joined them in um, helping take food to elderly. We, uh, doing English club, just to help people out with their English. Um, just, just whatever we could, we could do to bless and create community. And we would invite people over to, we call the open table, kind of like a barbecue, just, hey, come on over. You know, it's not a Bible study. We're just going to talk, you know, we, we had a Bible study where we would invite people when we saw that they were, would want to come to that and we're open. But we just wanted to be a family to them first, build those relationships, just help them. Not because we see them as potential converts, because they're, they're brothers and sisters. And that's what brothers and sisters do for each other. And the you know, amazing thing is people were attracted to that. They would come and they said, I, I don't know if I, what I believe about Jesus yet, but you know, I like this. You guys are family. I want to be part of that. And we did see people, especially after the war, some people, be, they became followers of Jesus and we're discipling them. Because that, that, it's a process, right? You, just need, you don't just say the prayer and you're good. There's a lot of work to do. Good work. Learning about who God is and how he, how, uh, what it means to follow him, what it means for our, every area of life to be transformed and to reflect him, right? That's a lifelong process. I'm still working on it. Got a long way to go. But I'm loving it. You know, so I'm going to stop with that. <laughs> but that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create these communities, and I'll share more tonight about that. We're in Hungary, and we have about 150 families we minister to in about 500 cities, and we go and just bring aid. But of recent, we were more and more moving into relationship building, community building, bringing them together, helping them to share with each other. They, they need that comfort. You know, some have lost loved ones to the war. 
Um, some have no cities to go back to, just completely destroyed. Or they have family back home they're very worried about, or, you know, just, I can share a lot of stories with you, but what do they need the most is community, family. Who has the corner on that? The church. That's what we are. Nobody in the world is like that. So that's our superpower, <laughs> is that. Let's lean into that strength. So I want to encourage you as we go, um, what, what are things you could do? Why not, uh, how many times a week do you eat? 21, 24, 20, 35? I don't know. If you have boys, it's 35 pretty much times a week. What about inviting a neighbor? What about inviting somebody that you've been wanting to kind of build a relationship with at your work? Or, some, or you know, parents of... Uh, Maybe of a, a friend of your children, one of your children, have them come over. Say, yeah, let's just have a meal. Don't, you know, no, no um, hidden agenda. Just we're going to share stories. We're going to get to know each other. And I guarantee you, <laughs> you're going to be talking about your faith because that's part of who you are. And, and it's such a beautiful way. So eating, blessing someone. How can I bless somebody? It's also about receiving a blessing, but I, I don't have time to talk about that. Living as family. Letting people treat you as family. Okay, I'm done. Um, thank you so much for allowing me to share with you. And um, there's a table in the back. Um, I did have a bunch of coffee, I'm kinda, uh, but from a friend of mine who roasts it in Kiev. But you guys are unlucky because you were in second service. First service got all the coffee, but hopefully I can bring back some. I don't, why don't I tell you that? God, sorry. <laughs> we're actually, it's a friend of mine, he's a Christian in, in Kiev, and so we're trying to figure out how to take that coffee, bring it to the States, and support him because his wife and kids are in Europe because of the war. So helping him, helping the Ukraine economy, but also helping us reach others. Um, I talked to Jeremy. We're going to work that out maybe. <laughs> anyway, um, some, thank you so much. Um, one more plug. My wife is a wonderful writer. She does a blog. I would recommend, if you want to really get an inside picture on what we go through, it's called Mommy Joys. Mommy Joys, I think, .com. It's a blog. Read that. Um, and... Uh, and you can find out more about us. So this is our organization, bridgeway.org. So if you want to find out more, go to bridgeway.org. We have different stories of what God is doing through Calvary Chapel in Ukraine and Europe. Find out ways to support us, uh, connect with us. Um, I know there's teams coming, whatever. Just we'll, we'll be happy to hear from you. May God bless you. You guys are doing amazing work here. Keep it up. We're all part of what God is doing in this world. And can't wait till it's all done and we'll just come and celebrate together. So thank you, Jesus, for um, just your love for us and just for creating us, Lord, for making us for yourself and for each other and uh, just the wonderful plans you have for us. It's not that there's hardship. There's a lot of hard things in this life. There's a lot of tears, a lot of pain. But Lord, you're with us. And one day you're going to make it all right. And everything that we're going through, we're going to see what it was all for. Um, so bless my brother, dear brothers and sisters here as they do are about your business here in Lynchburg and beyond. Thank you for all, those, for all that they're doing and how they're influencing um, things that are going around in the world. And thank you for their, 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 their hearts. So bless them in your name, I pray. Amen.